What's up, everybody? It's the day before Christmas Eve. It's Jason, Justin, and Fred. Fred, how you doing, man? Finally, we got to make this work. What's up, two geeks? I know you're the third today. I'm the third. Geek. Oh, I'm the third geek. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we got a so full head of hair. We got man, a full head of hair between us. Yeah, no, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, Jason, we're all yeah, it's not great. Jason blew out his candles yesterday, wishing for hair. <laughs> Look at that. Wrapped around his mouth. Yep. I commented on my friend's photo on Facebook because he's got this really long hair. And I'm like, man, that's nice. And then his wife was like, yeah, I wish I had it. I'm like, no, I wish I had it. Like, just so, Jay, some of it you, would be nice. What do you, now that I'm on your show and I could talk about this, what do you, do you actually shave what you have and to get mm -hmm. that clean bald? Yeah, I don't. I don't like the what I call island haircut where people yeah. just like give up and let this come out. I, I don't think it looks good on most people. So do you buff I, it? You ever buff it? No, I've never buffed it, but I will take a razor to it. I know chicks dig it because you got a new girlfriend every three months. <laughs> <laughs> You're I a pro. You I started seeing somebody again. <laughs> Did you? You started a new one? Yep, just yep. recently started seeing somebody. Yeah, no, no rings for this one. No rings. Yeah. Let's not give out any rings. Yeah, let's it's hold off. Yeah. Yeah, let's hold off. Give them lollipop rings or something like that. <laughs> save your save your money. Marriage is a marriage is a trick. It is, man. Divorce twice. Oh. <laughs> it's like Jason's done it. <laughs> yeah. Jason's already done it. Uh, I've I've been married once. One time. One time. I got lucky so, with my divorces. They were smooth. I don't think I could get lucky a third time. No, you can't. So stop. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm haven't, done. You, haven't you ever heard that saying, if you're not good at something, don't do it? <laughs> Obviously, this is not your strength. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I'm just kidding. What about you, Justin? What do you, what's your. My status, my marital status, single. I am single. No, chi no children? No children. Nope. Okay. Smart. Smart. It's a smart move right there. Kids are expensive and overrated. Oh, Completely overrated. How many kids do you have, Fred? Four. Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's Four. a lot. Yeah. Each each one a bigger pain in the ass than the next. It's like only a parent is gonna say this. Yeah. And yeah. none of them count on my tax return anymore. They're all over 18. So it's a horrible thing after that. <laughs> horrible. Well, the tax benefits aren't that great anymore anyway, so. No, they're not. They're, there's there's actually, there's listen, there's no benefit. And I'm kidding when I say, I guess I we got to tell people that I'm kidding now <laughs> because we're going to talk about a book <laughs> that I wrote that makes no sense if I'm not kidding. You know, so. No, my kids are good. They're, they're decent. My son was just here from Utah visiting. Not visiting me, but visiting. Mm -hmm. Basically, he comes home, sees his friends, and sees me for 10 minutes. But he did pay for lunch. Hey, how about that? Never nice. saw this kid. I've never seen him pull a wallet out of his back pocket. <laughs> Ever. I was shocked. I, it almost killed me. And I think that was part of the plan was he knew <laughs> if he pulls the wallet out, the inheritance is coming soon. Because it would kill me. He knows this. He has to do it a couple times, so you put him up in the will, the slots in the will, and then he really pays for something special. Yeah, I have this. I do have this interesting thing I like to do with. My, this was my um, youngest and my oldest. Mm -hmm. So my oldest came to visit. My youngest lives locally. She's twenty three, twenty four, twenty. I don't know their ages. I just I barely know their names, <laughs> but they're. Um, I start. I ignite a fire and then sit back and watch them fight. It's like my version of MMA. It, <laughs> and those are the benefits of parenting. Those are parenting benefits. That's you need more kids, Jason. You just got the one, right? I have uh, I have multiples. I have stepchildren. Yeah, those, the, those, count, those count for a while hmm. until they don't. But you don't got to share your inheritance with them. Don't share your inheritance with them. <laughs> nope, don't. Well, those, you. those are the ones that kill you <laughs> they really do those are the ones that knock you off i'm i'm telling you i'm giving you good sound advice there so what do you want to talk about 
Jason. What do you want to well, ask? I want to ask you because obviously your sense of humor is very similar to mine. And uh, you've been listening to Stern. How long did when did you start listening to Howard Stern? So I got I kind of got lucky that my mother was a Stern listener. So absolutely not parent of the year or anything, but she was a Stern listener. Um, so since the 80s, you know, you got to remember where I, I'm I live in Connecticut. So Stern started in Hartford, Connecticut at WCCC which is now ironically a religious station. It went from Stern to heavy metal. It went to a heavy metal station at one time and it was thriving. And now it's overnight. I remember when it went, like they said, they were going to change their format overnight. They went from heavy metal to Christian. It, it was, it was very, I liked it. I liked it. But since the eighties, you know, early eighties, and nice. I don't have a problem with him today, like some people do. No, man, growth. Growth is... A yeah, thing. I'm okay with people that grow. Hey, listen, is it is it the same? No, but I'm not the same either. But would I like some of his crude humor? It, it, what I find is it's ironic that he now he can throw baloney at a stripper's ass. And he, <laughs> and he doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> before he couldn't. So I think that's part of he it. Lost his shock value. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, first of all, you put so much money in somebody's hand, it, they're gonna change. They're in higher society. They're living with all these other wealthy people. And I think a few. I think um, the Dana Plato thing played a huge role in him changing as a person. That and Robin Williams mm -hmm. once. Once Dana Plato um, committed suicide the d day after his show, after he hammered her um, on air, and I'm sure it was in a comical sense, but she obviously took it to heart and it pushed her over the edge. I think things like that will change your life, you know, how you approach things. And the Robin Williams, I believe the Robin Williams story was that he was – basically a dick to the guy you know he was trying to be show off in front of him and then he before he could apologize he ended his life mm -hmm. so those are life-changing events yeah man great interviewer yeah. though great interviewer now like the best interviewer in my opinion i see that you share his interviews online that's what made me yeah whenever i i get to listen to uh, luckily i've i was smart and i bought a serious xm lifetime subscription like 15 years ago, you know, or whenever it started before he was on. And I think I oh, paid like, I think I paid like $300. Well, you're saving a bunch of money now. Holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> like $300. But I don't even listen. To, I really don't. I don't like the sound quality of Sirius XM. Hmm. I don't think it, the music comes through very well through speakers. It's pretty trembly, hmm. uh, you know, a lot of treble and it just doesn't, I don't know what they do over there, but I listen to some of the comedy and Stern, just Stern yeah. all day. Yeah. And yeah. his, what does he work out two days a week, three days a week? Yeah. I don't even, that's another thing. I, people online when they're, they, cause one thing that drives me crazy in this whole world is people that complain, like people that post on Facebook about Facebook. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, get, then get off Facebook. Nobody's making you <laughs> go to X and complain about Facebook. It's right. Like, yeah. They post on. They post about Walmart having no cashiers. Well, there's a million stores to go to. Don't go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, they're ripping those out too. The self-service things. I think they're ripping a lot of those things out because of all the theft. Yeah, there's so much theft. I mean, even our Walmart. I live in a pretty, um, I would say, affluent area. Sure. And we put a Walmart in our town. And my my drive my end is 20 years ago now, but my insurance in my car doubled because oh, wow. thefts happen when you yeah. put a walmart in town I, I hope walmart's not one of your sponsors no no, no. actually oh, Justin, starting i'm oh, just kidding I mean, but, um, yes <laughs> that'd be great i'd be like i'd be all over that 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 sounds like a big paycheck yeah i agreed yeah uh fred tell us about your show so the show i got is a dude in the hen house and that it's not going as planned, but it's going well. 
it's going well. It's one of those things where I probably overthought and overshot what I thought it was going to be, and it turned out being okay. I'll say okay because I'm not getting the numbers. None of us are, I'm sure, because everybody that's famous in the world is now getting a podcast. And I listen to some of those famous people, but I wish they'd just pay it back to us little guys. But it's a dude in the hen house. It's me and um, this girl I grew up with named Mel. My intention of it was to have three women co-hosts. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but that was my intention. Three women co-hosts in my, I wanted to have a dude in the hen house, basically surround myself with women and only interview women about women, talk about women. And it, it had a good flair and stuff, but then the strike happened. Can't get any actors or actresses, all these things. Then my other two co-hosts are flaky and they don't come or they do. So you know what that's like. Yeah. You know, you you talk before Justin signed on. You told me all about Justin oh, yeah. flaky and stuff like that, Jason. He told me all about you, Justin. Don't worry. Sure. Oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and, you know, now it's just me and Mel. I, I don't get many guests, but me and her just riff. We're both well at the time we started, we were both single. I'm no longer single, she still is. So she talks about um dating, I talk sure. about parenting, date, and I basically I bust the girl's balls. Everything she says, she tries to get serious. I deflect it into comedy and I come off like an asshole. But that's what I am. They call relationships. <laughs> yeah. This is our relationship, you know. I'm the asshole. And that's not going to change anyway, even though I could go into serious mode and talk about serious things because I do the addiction and mental health show also. Yeah. And I could talk about that stuff, but I'm always going. The whole point of the book that I wrote was about deflecting. My whole life has been using comedy to survive. I make fun of things to survive. Have you ever thought about doing like stand up or other comedy? Because I've, I've I've heard comedians in general have had like yeah using they that to really push life. it out right. Yeah, listen, I there's so many things I failed at, Justin. <laughs> that I, I I've never made that. I I was reflecting the other night on all the opportunities I missed, all the things I didn't take advantage of. And whether or not I'm wasting my time at certain things, including podcasting sometimes. Sometimes I, I mean, we all look at the numbers and I don't think people realize the work. Sure, this looks like it's just an hour. For me, the guest, it is just an hour. But somebody has to turn around, plan this whole thing. Jason planned this a week ago, two weeks ago. And so he had to commit to it two weeks ago. He had to make the commitment come true today. He's got to pay for the platform. There's paying for other things. You got to advertise. You got to edit. People don't realize it. And that's okay. They don't have to realize it. But our friends, or I'll quote unquote, friends need to realize that hitting the subscribe button costs zero. It costs nothing. And it means the world to us. You know, you get our YouTube numbers up to where we could maybe turn. A, and we're not talking about becoming Mr. Beast. We're talking about making enough money to continue to do this where it because for me, it was just a hobby. Right. Right. And it's right. now it's a hobby that cost me money. I should have just had another kid. It, <laughs> I like that hobby a little better. You know, it's this it's tiring. But friends are my biggest pet peeve right now is hmm. even on this book that we'll talk about. I'm gonna, I'm assuming we'll talk about it. Nah, not today. You know, well, <laughs> when we get to it. But the, even the book sales are down. And I look at the numbers I have on having a podcast as a marketing tool. Being who I am as a marketing tool, my real friends, my Facebook friends, my Instagram friends, and you would think they'd just share it or the amount of books I've given out for free at no cost. And then they don't review it because the review for an author is the gold. Right. It's uh, even if it's a bad review, just mm -hmm. like in podcasting for authors, a lot of people don't realize on Amazon, you have to get 50 reviews under under the book and they could be any review good review bad review before you're eligible to be underneath let's say stephen king's book where it says oh, people, yeah. people also bought this 
people okay. and that's the marketing that becomes free marketing so giving out books that's another thing books people just assume you sit down and write a book big deal but they have no problem dropping seven dollars on a frappe fuki muki with almond milk you know it, it does it it bugs me and i'm not and i'm vocal about it most people will tell you um you can't show your true color sure. with that sure. you'll piss me i'm the opposite i don't give a don't buy my book don't buy it then i don't yeah. care i'll just talk about you on the podcast <laughs> you know and I'll, I'll rip you to shreds because that's my strength my strength isn't in muscle it's in my mouth you know i've that's taken good. a few taking a few beatings now i stay home nobody could beat me up at home yeah i know a publicist <laughs> that you gave a lashing to a few years ago <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, yeah i don't i don't mess around when it comes to that when i the person you're talking about we won't say his name but the person you're talking about was hurting our friends our group and mm -hmm. that's how we all started out here i mean all of us i've never met jason in person right but I feel like I know him. I'd call him my friend and stuff. Um, Justin, not so much. Sure. But, you know, you know, Jason, at least. Because Jason gets women. You you don't, apparently. It's true. I don't at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. right. Maybe you're the magnet, though, Justin. Uh, yeah. I, ancillary people get women around me because I'm, I exist. That's probably true. Right. Because you you're the cool guy that. That's right melds into the back. You walk by the hot chick and say, just keep walking while everybody floods around her. That's right. I, That's right. You, you got game, a lot of game. What'd you give Jay <laughs> what did you give Jason for his birthday? It was Jason's nothing. birthday, everyone. I nothing. know it was Jason. I nothing yet. But I'm sure we'll do fun things soon. But I, I did nothing. I was a crappy I did I did say happy birthday. But how That's close, how close do you how close do you guys live? Twelve minutes apart. Oh okay. And yeah. grew up together? No, no, no. I, I, I moved here from Indiana about 10 years ago. My other podcasting partner and I have known each other since we were five. Max, yeah. Mm. Indiana? Who the hell lives in Indiana? I did for a long time. <laughs> Isn't Ohio? You went from Indiana to Ohio? What are you trying to go to all the worst? Yeah, just all the Midwest. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. A lot <laughs> of he downgraded. He downgraded when he left Indiana. You live in first? That's right. That's right. It's oh. a job opportunity. That's good. So as, like we as we shift like to the book, what happens when Kindle, they put it on Kindle for free? Like, how does that affect you? Because I saw that your book is on Kindle for free. Well, it shouldn't be right now. But it, basically, when you see that ad that says Kindle for free, mm. that's that's Amazon marketing you trying to get you to click on and join the Kindle program, then it's free. Mm. Similar to the Spotify does that in podcasting and stuff like that. They try to lock you into their monthly fee where you could read four books a week, a month for free, you know, and share. So none of that affects me. Any sale goes to me, but first of all, the Kindle part. So this is where Amazon has profited the most. I'm not a big Amazon guy. I love investing in them love investing in them because i do well with it but and i buy from them but from a writer standpoint it's as crooked as could be because first of all there's no rules the only rule is you have to have i believe 25 pages and they even tell you five of them could be blank if you only have 20 pages and want five blank you could sell a book oh wow you don't have to be good there's no there's no spell checking there's no cover design um etiquette or anything you don't have to be good um you could write it you could take your test paper from school and submit it as a book if people buy it they buy it but on a kindle so say on a let's go from a 99 cent which i i can't stand any author that sells their book for 99 cents because i think they're dumbing down their product if we because if all authors um, unionized together and said, forget it. I'm only selling it for $2.99. Then the people that buy it will normalize to it. But right now they're looking for free books. They're looking for 99 cents. I make about 33 cents on a 99 cent book. Amazon makes 66. They did nothing. Yeah. But presented it. But they own the Kindle. 
See, the Kindle is owned by Amazon. They own the format. They own the the um, programming. They own everything about it. He's a genius. I mean, you can't give him anything else but that. He's a genius. But it's not good for indie authors. And overall, nobody's nobody's buying books anymore. I'm sure. How many books your daughter read, Jason? Does she uh, read she, at all? Yeah, she reads quite a bit. These are all her books. Yeah. Like right back here behind me. So a lot of a lot of kids don't. And then I produced the audio version of this book. And I make more money off audio books than I do off of all my books combined. And this is my seven, 17th book, I think, that I released overall. Do you narrate all of them? Are you the narrator for all of them? Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Even the children's books. Imagine hearing this voice. <laughs> this is this ratchety, bassy, deep voice trying to sing your child to sleep. Because I've written children's books for two-year-olds mm -hmm. on a bet, though. I did it on a bet. Uh, my buddy bet me that I couldn't produce and write a book in 24 hours, and I did it. <laughs> I, I did a rhyming children's book. Um, I don't even remember what it's called. It sold so well. I, I felt like such a heel because <laughs> it did so well. And I work so hard at my other books that just fail. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what kind of a loser are you? There's people out there making a fortune now off AI, for instance. How far sure. off are we from AI podcasts where it's okay. not even a human voice? I mean, there's AI YouTubers already. This guy makes whole like Minecraft YouTube videos from AI. I, I mean, he could pivot that to podcasting, you know? Yeah, these kids are, they're, the only thing I like about it is my job. I'm a labor intensive type worker in the, these kids will never do what I do for a living. That means I'll always have a job. Sure. Sure. Even when I'm 70, people are going to be coming to me rather than some kid that could actually do it physically. Cause he won't, he can't get his face out of his stupid phone for two minutes. Just staring at it like a zombie. <laughs> it's garbage. Don't become an author. That's another example I want to tell people. Don't write your book. Everybody tells you you could, you can't. Don't write your book and don't try to podcast. You can't podcast. We don't need more podcasters. We don't need more authors. That's my that's my um soundbite for today. Stay away. <laughs> that 12 more podcasts started. <laughs> yeah. I know. Every time a bell rings, a podcast gets its name. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's horrible. There's so many of them. You ever try it? You ever scroll through some of them and just. And there's the, no barrier to entry. There's not a, a skill gap. There's not a. You just have to have a camera, which most people have phones and access to the internet. Like it's not, it, it's not hard to produce a thing. It's just hard to be good at it. It's yeah. Cool. One of our listeners, I stumbled upon their channel and it was just a dude laying in bed, like, barely talking like just falling and he yeah, had like a couple hundred subscribers it made me nauseous I wanted, to, I wanted to get into that whispering sex talk stuff <laughs> it's it's creepy good you know some of that stuff but there's so many losers out there that listen to this you know that want to pay to get into it it's it's like the I, I incorporated to the same genre as romance novels, you know, in writing. I'm not I have I have tons of friends that make so much money writing romance because they put a beautiful sculpted man on the cover in every trailer park piece of trash buys this and just reads it and they love it. They love it. And it's just cash, cash, cash. Sure. And I think you could write a romance novel. I could see no, I can't. I can't. Four hour challenge. Romance. I novel. tried. I tried already. Men can't write romance because we're not romantic. We're not romantic. We're not all Jason. You know, we're <laughs> not all Jason where we could just woo you right off from a car wash or wherever he picks a these car wash. You know, well, middle of December. <laughs> yeah, I'm a woo you from a car wash. Cold out there. Like, hey, baby, you want to get soapy? Oh, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, I don't know. It's just one of them things that you can't have 
I just don't want people doing what I do anymore. I don't want to be the coach mm-hmm. or a stepping stone for them anymore. I don't want to pump people up thinking they could write a book because you can't. You can't just sit down. It takes so many hours to write a book. And to write the book I just wrote took me, uh, you know, my life to write it, <laughs> to write about my life. And it's it's I've gotten kickback from it. There's a there's a lot of things in there that I talked about that most men aren't going to talk about. And one of the kickbacks that I've unfortunately had to deal with was there's a chapter in there about my daughter who I didn't have a relationship with ever. She's she's the oldest child. She was a product of a one night stand. I was 17 or 18 years old and I wasn't a good, I wasn't a good enough man. Then I was dealing with my own childhood trauma still. And then I got handed a child. I wasn't good at it, but she read the book and she's not happy. And that's voiced through my children because she doesn't even talk to me and it's hurtful. I don't like that. I hurt her in any way, but rereading it, I didn't say anything that I didn't mean. And I didn't say anything that's not true. It's not like I fabricated anything. I guess she may not like the truth and it might not be the truth. She knew, Yeah, you know, and that's, that's where there's my family isn't happy about this because these are family secrets that they assumed were swept under a rug. Well, then you give birth to me and you get this mouth going. I'm going to write it down and I'm going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And people don't people don't always like the truth. They say they do. Even in relationships, it works like that. They say, all I want is an honest man. No, you don't. You want somebody that's faithful, but tells you what you want to hear. That's what you really want. So let's, well, what's the name of your book? Because I feel like we talked about your book. We want the, the, this, what's the actual, like the meat and potatoes, like name, what's it all about? It's basically kind of a memoir, I think. But like, what- Yeah, so I can tell you that the name, the name of the book, you can see it right there, I think, yeah. if, it's, if it's in the right direction. Yep. <laughs> you know, that, that's the name of the book. When your ego throws a pity party, go alone. Another mistake. And I'll, I'll tell you the mistake of that after. But it's just a... I just wanted a quick little, um, like something that was fun and play with. It has no meaning at all when your ego throws a pity party, go alone. It just, and the algorithms of today do not help this book sales because that has nothing to do with mental health. That has nothing to do with childhood trauma. But basically, I just took pieces of my life mixed in with some com- comedic tones and some seriousness because I do go into relationships. You know, the women that I've chosen in my life have not all been great choices. I I mean, we've all made mistakes, and I may not even be the great choice on their end, Mm -hmm. you know, if you ask them, but we're not talking to them. They could write their own damn book. (laughs) And, you know, and I didn't use anybody's name, but I told, they know who I'm talking about because they could read between the lines. But I talked about being let down more than anything. Let's say just being let down, you know, that Cinderella promise of, oh, you're forever. And then, bam, they're gone the minute there's a better man in their eyes, at least. But then I talked about growing up in a, and I had good parents, but unfortunately in the 70s and 80s, parents didn't talk about certain things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so one of them was being molested as a child. And I talked about that in, I didn't start talking about being molested until I was almost 50 years old and I'm 54 now. Mm-hmm. So that's how long I held that in. And I talked about, I just did some reflecting on it, what it caused me that it's like a cause and effect. So mine was with a woman uh, and she was a teenager. She was probably 18, 19. <laughs> and I was like seven, eight, nine. So still disgusting and stuff. Now I do say in the book that, and this is what I got some flack with, but it's just being honest. And I think if you, instead of answering right away, what immediately comes into your mind, sat back and thought about what I'm about to say, it makes sense. But when I'm seven, eight or nine, 
you still have the same um, physical feelings that you have as a, you know, in your regions and stuff. I didn't know what she was doing to me was bad. It's not like she was harming me. There was no physical harm in what she was doing. She wasn't beating me up and then tying me down. This was all done lovingly, if you want to use that word. But I used a word that it still felt pleasurable. You know, and that's what people forget about. This is one one of the reasons we don't come forward is one, we don't even know. I thought this is what all eight-year-olds did. I didn't know the difference. No, my parents weren't talking about it. They weren't warning me about it. She's telling me this, this is normal. She's my babysitter. My mother told me to listen to her. You know, all these things matter when you're eight. Yeah. Now, I carried this all the way through. And talking about it in the book, one thing was, so as a 14, 15-year-old, I am completely a stud at that point because I am so excelled on sexuality over what you were at 14, 15, if you lived a normal right. life, right. that now I'm hanging out with 16, 17-year-olds, and I'm becoming sexually active for real but I'm weaponizing it at this point because I thought the way she weaponized it with me, I thought that's what sex was. I thought sex was a numbers game. I thought it was, let's see how many numbers you could get. You know, what can you do? Mm-hmm. And I weaponized it and I recognized it. I used women. I used girls. Um, I manipulated situations and I carried that into a bad marriage at a young age because I thought I could be a better father if I'm married and start a family. I got married at 21. The day after I turned 21, I got married. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't like to say too much about it because she's passed on now, my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. But it's it's somebody that I should have never been married to. And this is where my parenting problems came in again was my mother did, told me she did not want me getting married to this woman. But what can you tell a 21 year old? I was in love, you know, all this stuff. So I marry her, but then shit goes sideways. And now I can't even call my own mother because I'm afraid she's going to give me that. I told you. I told you so. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm protecting this, but at the same time, my wife's having affairs. Let's uh, And this is another trauma of being molested as a child. I didn't care that she was sexually active with other men. I cared that she was cheating on me, but not the, the sex didn't bother me because once again, I thought that's what everybody did. She was just playing her game. That's how screwed up you could carry all this you don't even realize it until you're mature enough to realize it, but you don't run and get help. Cause you're, first of all, you're a man, you grew up in the seventies and eighties where you're not allowed to cry. You're not allowed to be emotional. You're not allowed to have problems. You fight through it. Next girl's right around the corner, bigger, better, better, all those things. But then now the world's changed and we're allowed to, and it's time that we're allowed to, I'm not saying you got to sit there. I still suffer from this. I, I suffer from, I don't tell my children I love them. Mm-hmm. I talk about that in the book, trying to change that. It's so uncomfortable for me. I, it feels like weakness and everything in my life was a fight. I had to show toughness. So now I'm trying to be a weaker man in sense. Right. It doesn't make you weaker. I know that that's the problem. I know all this, but now I'm 54 years old. How do I, become somebody new. That's why I brought up the Stern. That was a good thing with the Stern thing. The ability to change is there. It would just might take me 10 years. You know, as long as I keep working at it, I can. But I do mix in. There's a lot of comedy sections in this <laughs> with, you know, I go through YouTube playlists of things not to do on YouTube when a girl breaks your heart. stuff like that songs not to listen to the truth behind song titles and that's just me deflecting Mm -hmm. it's all deflection all my comedy is deflection i'm a i joke around i could tell a joke at a funeral you know for instance my my kids 
they they love when I say it. they think it's funny, but they know me so well. My like I said, my ex-wife did pass on, um, unfortunately, from a overdose about a year, year and a half ago. And my daughter was the one that found her, oh. my youngest daughter. So she called me and I went there and got her out of there. So I stayed with my ex-wife for six hours hmm. while waiting for the coroner. And my kids often used to say, you know, what did you do for six hours and stuff? And I say, I was able to finally have a conversation with your mother without her opinion. That's what I was finally able to do. And that's exactly who I am right there. That's comedy deflecting. And my kids appreciate that because that's all they know. Mm -hmm. I've done it my whole life and it's I'm alive. Mm -hmm. I'm alive and I'm well. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a, not that it's bad to. I'm I'm very supportive of addicts, but I never went down the attic route, even though I did delve into the 80s of the white powder for a little while and stuff, you know, all that stuff. And but that was just part of life for me. Did it feel um, cathartic when you wrote it all down? It, it did, but not the. A, a couple points. So there's a chapter in there where I told a story about my plan to kill myself. And that I, I suffer from uh, the one thing I do suffer from is a thing called suicide ideation. So what suicide ideation is in the simplest terms is if your car breaks down tomorrow, you're going to either call a tow truck or get a new car. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you got options. Well, I, everything in my life has a third option. I could kill myself and none of this will happen. That's suicide ideation. I Suicide is always on the table in every decision I make. Now, I'm past this now. This was from young 17 um, through about 35 where I attempted, I made an attempt of suicide, at least a, a poor attempt. I'll, I'll tell you that. It was very... Poor attempt, but it was alcohol actually saved my life, ironically, because I was too drunk to complete the task. Mm -hmm. I ended up drinking too much and I could I passed out before I could complete the task. Now, so that's just a weird. Now, that was hard to talk about because I knew my kids were going to read this and I'm a rock to them. You know, I'm a machine. I, I go to work when I'm sick. I'm here every minute of every day and now I'm showing a weakness and that's scary. And it's hard for my, especially for my youngest daughter to read because mm -hmm. these are things we didn't talk about. We, I, they just never were brought up, but mm -hmm. I had to, I had to reflect whether, you know, was the, was the lemon worth the squeeze? And it was because I figured there's some other man right now sitting out there that doesn't write books or isn't as open and honest. And he's considering that option of suicide. And it's not a good option. There is no all all suicide technically, in my in my opinion, does is deflect the pain that person's dealing with to somebody else. Mm -hmm. If it's me, I'm giving it to my children. So. There's enough options in today's world. There's no excuses anymore for suicide to be a, as big of an issue as it is. Um, it's time men are able to talk about their problems. It doesn't have to be on a podcast like this. It could be in private. There's therapists out there. I'm just I'm not ashamed. Nobody should be ashamed of what they went through and what they dealt with. But you should be. There's so many phone numbers to call at this point. You got to exhaust them all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it, it, some of it I'm proud that I wrote. Some of it I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't go to. Uh, I had trouble going into the molestation because sure. it's all stuff I had forgotten. Yeah. You know, it's 40 years ago, at the, even more than 40 years ago. I buried it. I buried it deep. I, I created new memories. I, I've succeeded. I've been successful. And now I'm going back to the weakest, darkest points. And I'm already past my suicide ideation stuff. I'm going back into the well. I'm mm -hmm. 
jumping into the darkness and it's scary. It's scary to go back there because you can't even believe it's you. You're looking in a mirror going, what are you doing? Why nobody goes back into the darkness. You just crawled out of it. But I, I did feel the book had enough power to help others. And that was my main goal. Yeah, that's awesome. What did your other kids think of the book? Well, I told you my oldest daughter wasn't happy with her part in it. Mm -hmm. um, because I do have a, like I told you, I don't tell my kids I love them. So I wrote a whole chapter of how much I love them to, to, to tell them that I can do it. I just don't do it. You know, I don't know if you could understand that. It's just a, it's me. It's just who I am. It's not my DNA. I wasn't told it every minute of my life. Nobody was hugging me. I'm not a big hug guy. I'm the guy. If, if just for instance, if a girl, if, if I'm with a girl, my girlfriend or something, and she's crying, I'm not the guy you want to deal with <laughs> at that point. I'm the, it looks like you need some time alone. I'm going to go in the other room. I'm that guy. I'm not good at, it's okay. It's all right. I just don't have it. I have it in me. I know I do, but it's not natural. It would yeah. be so fake. But sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to be willing to do the fake to succeed. Sure. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What, did you have a lot of editors and like kind of since it was a memoir of your life, like did you kind of was it more of just grammar that you had people that kind of looked over or did nothing, you like nothing. Nothing? Okay. nothing at all. I did everything, 100 percent of it from editing, publishing it, mm -hmm. setting it up, designing the cover. Everything was done by me. And I'll tell you this, it has about eight grammatical mistakes in it that I purposely left in mm -hmm. because the whole point of the book is it's okay to be flawed. Mm -hmm. So I left the mistakes. I love book mistakes. I thrive on book. I collect antique books that have errata. They're called errata pages in the 1800s and stuff. That's error in Latin. And because back then, and you know, like when they did um, Charles Dickens, mm -hmm. they had to put it on a press and just roll it through ink. If there was a mistake, they didn't find out till the second run. So the first run would include a page of errors and mistakes. And those are the ones worth the most money. That's yeah. fine. That's yeah. Cool. But um, I did it all. And I think it was, an, I, I left them in because of the flaws. I wanted people to realize it's okay that I made a mistake. You know, I'm not some, you know, Stephen King gets to write a story and send it to editors they do the book cover. He All he has to do is think of the stories. That's a world I don't even know if I could exist in because I am a complete control freak in my books. You shouldn't edit, though. If anybody is out there, and I'm, I was kidding when I told people not to write books. I, I support you if you want to write a book. <laughs> Go write a book. I'm not God. I can't tell you what to do. Um, write your book, but you do need an editor. Editors are important because it's a different set of eyes and a different set of views. I forget more shit than I I've had people appear in stories that I killed off on chapter three, you know, <laughs> so many minutes. My head just spins like a movie when I'm writing. How, so I know you did the one in the day, but like, what does a normal book take in terms of timing in terms of like, I have the idea to a finished product and what, what's the biggest hurdle, especially to your point, having complete control over the whole process. Is it, less about the writing and more about like what does the art what does the cover look like or like what what's the biggest hurdle outside of maybe the idea well i can tell you uh, from a marketing standpoint on the hurdle uh the cover is you know how they say don't judge a book by its cover Everyone it's all, it's all bullshit it's yeah. a lie because a shitty story with an amazing cover will outsell a great story with a bad cover every minute of every day because you're looking at it on Amazon in a two-inch window. Mm -hmm. If I could turn you on there, that's the first part of marketing. You clicked it. I can't make you buy it. But if I could come up with a witty little paragraph here and there, you might say, bang, bought. Now the money's in my pocket and I'm buying a boat. You know, and that's how it works. But the length for me to write, 
So I go in, I really go broad. Right now I'm writing three books at one time. I've never done this before. I've never written more than one book at a time. I'm doing three at a time. It's working great right now. All three are at their beginning stages. That's the exciting part of a book. It's the middle part that is scary because that's when all my characters start meshing together. That's when you got to kill your darlings. That's when you got to create some havoc and stuff. They got, of course, I write more of a darker type stuff, but these ones are one of them's called The Dark, which is it's actually called Dream Academy, and that's more of a fantasy. Um, about time travel one's next door strangers and that's just about a four people that live at a new cul-de-sac who all connect kind of like a um the movie crash almost how mm-hmm. everybody's life intertwines with the other mm-hmm. and i don't even think i titled the the third one yet but it's you know the it's everything intertwines but it takes me I, I assume, and I've never written a novel. I should be clear about that. I don't have a novel in me because I don't have the patience to write a novel. I'm writing, I started as a script writer um, back in the 90s and wrote a lot of screenplays. I didn't start writing books till 2008. Mm-hmm. And I've got 17 since then. But uh, I write like it's a movie. So I'm not for everyone. Definitely. I write very active. I don't have a lot of wishy-washy bullshit in between the pages. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to talk about the girl's dress and how George R. R. Martin and stuff. Uh, She's because when you're writing a screenplay, she's just girl. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't determine what she looks like unless it's important to the role, because then you dumb down your actresses. So my Characters are very, uh, that's the biggest complaint I get on Amazon is I wish I knew more about the character and I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. You'll never be perfect. And believe me, when you're the writer, every book is a piece of trash because I've read the book a million times. Mm-hmm. I know the ending, I know the middle. And then once it's released, you wake up the next morning and go, I should have done this. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I do that? And that's why you hear a Stephen King talk negatively about his book sometimes which in my i'm a big stephen king guy so sure sure you know he's my man except for his latest stuff we'll talk about that jason because you read holly i did read i i i I got so sidetracked this month that i'm hardly in holly yet but um i did read fairy tale i liked that one yeah it was okay but that also didn't it, it, it started, I think he's recycling stuff that it's just pieces of other books that he's True. tying together. And, but that's who he, he's the guy's 80 years old or whatever he is. So, but I, really played, like, uh, I really yeah. like his son, Joe Hill. I was listening Joe to Hill. one of his books. Joe Hill horns is really good. And that was a movie also with Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Um, I read one of uh, another one of his books too. Oh, Nosferatu, he wrote, mm-hmm. and that was good. Yeah, you know what I love most about Joe Hill is his whole life. He grew up, and he could have easily written a book as Joe King, mm-hmm. the son of Stephen King, sold millions of copies, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. That takes guts. Not that he needs money or anything. I'm sure he's doing just fine, but. That's a that's some pride in your writing, right? I mean, that, if it's funny because yeah, he changed it to Joe Hill, but if you look at him on the back of the book, it looks like Stephen King. Like he, yeah, he yeah. has the spitting image of his father. And so does Owen. Owen King is his other son, and he does more like graphic novels. Owen King, mm-hmm. and then ironically, his daughter is a um, preacher. His daughter has her own that's church. Wild. Yeah. That's why he lives in Florida now, because he doesn't live in Maine anymore. Now his house is a writer's retreat. I could go up there. If I wanted to write my next book at Stephen King's house, it's free. It costs nothing. You got to be on a list and stuff. But I can go there for a week on vacation and just sit in Stephen King's house and write a book. Which would would be pretty cool. So, Fred, where can everybody buy the book? Where's the most beneficial to you to buy the book? 
Well, one of the most beneficial things, and this is where I um, found the best, is to just reach out to me directly and I could sell it to you and mail it to you and sign it and stuff like that. That's where I benefit the most. But I'm fine with any version of anything on Amazon. It's specifically on Amazon. So you just search Fred Carroll and you can see it's two D's, two R's, two L's. You'll find all my books there. And even if you don't buy it, everybody has somebody in their life that they think this might fit. Now it's, it's, there's a thing in there. It tells you if you're not one for coarse language or comedic inappropriate comedy, this is, I am not for you, Mm -hmm. but overall the message is clear. You'll see that I'm just a normal guy who's just happens to be an asshole every now and then. (laughs) But I'm your asshole, Jason. (laughs) I mean, I'm glad we got to make this work. I, I want to get you on the live show soon. So the other guys, you. Yeah. How old are you now, Jason? 41. Oh, my God. 41. And are, yeah. you're not you're not single any longer. This is like I'm the dating not. game. Now. Mm-hmm. Have you met? Well, you we're met? not like we're, we're, we're seeing each other right now. We're in the well, beginning. Come on. You're 41. Did you sleep with her? Yes. You're fine. No, no, you're <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to cut this out of the pocket. <laughs> Listen, I talk about my girlfriend on my show all the time. All the time. And if oh, they, this is how around. you got to, they either like us or they don't like us. There's one way. This is a one way road at this point. Justin, have you met the new girl? I have not. Okay. He didn't know about her. He found out about her today. Just now. Yeah, just just now. Yeah. Are you surprised, Justin? No. It's been no. at least three weeks, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's usually if it dance in why Jason has a girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Her his poor daughter. She probably gets the names confused at this point. She just calls them girl. It's like a screenplay to her. She's hey, like, lady. Hey, lady. <laughs> lady number one. <laughs> lady number two. But, yeah, I, I'm glad we got together and I got on to the – I finally got on to the three geeks. Well, it's Fred, we'll put all the links down below, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a good Christmas. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, happy like, holiday. Hit that like button, subscribe, share, and follow. Bye. Yeah, at least share it. Share.